Even when I don't see it, you're working. Because God is always present and at work. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, Gerda Wiseman Klein is a Holocaust survivor, an advocate for peace, tolerance, and gratitude, a popular public speaker and author of a best-selling memoir. Gerda speaks to audiences around the world and received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, America's highest civil civilian honor. Gerda was born in Poland in 1924 to a middle-class Jewish family, and in 1939, Germany invaded Poland. And 15-year-old Gerda hid in the basement with her parents. Her older brother, Arthur, received a draft notice from the Germans, and he went to register with the army and was never seen again. The Gestapo discovered the Wiseman's hiding place and herded them into a ghetto. In 1942, they were sent to a concentration camps where Gerda's parents both perished. Gerda survived three years in a camp alongside a close friend, and she later wrote this. Ilse, a childhood friend of mine, once found a raspberry in the concentration camp and carried it in her pocket all day to present to me that night on a leaf. Imagine a world in which your entire possession is one raspberry and you give it to a friend. Gerda and Ilse were, were forced onto a 350-mile death march to avoid the advancing Allied forces. 4,000 women began that death march, and Gerda was, the only, was one of only 120 to survive. And Ilse died in her arms. Imagine that for a moment. Like your whole world... It's chaos. Like everything crumbling down around you. Like everything's in war and disarray. Not like, oh, a faraway war, but like everything in your life is crumbling. This three-year death march. And in May of 1945, Gerda was liberated by the U.S. Army in Czechoslovakia. White-haired and weighed only 68 pounds, Gerda had not bathed in three years. She was 20 years old. A young American lieutenant, Kurt Klein, who she later married, that's pretty cool, held open a door for her as she walked through and experienced peace. So her worlds tore apart. There's no hope that exists. And finally, she walks through an open door and feels like peace is possible. Now, most of us, haven't experienced war up close and personal. Some maybe have. But we can imagine like what it was like. And there's actual pictures of World War II that help us imagine what it looked like for peace to kind of exist all of a sudden. In fact, the Daily Mirror reported that people were so delirious with joy that they hardly knew what to do with themselves. Sounds like this morning, doesn't it? According to Life magazine, Americans celebrated, and this is what it said, as if joy had been rationed and saved up for three years, eight months, and seven days since December 7, 1941. Peace. It's finally arrived. Now, why would I share this this morning? Well, we're going to look in on a story where there's some chaos that exists. But I think this idea of peace 
It's something that worldwide we do kind of like long for, like we, we look for peace. But as we start to look around, it doesn't take long to look either locally or in our country or in our world to see chaos and storms and fighting. And sometimes we don't have to look very far. Maybe sometimes the war or the fighting is in our own homes. So how do we experience peace in the midst of everything that's happening? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because there's some good news that I want to proclaim today. And the first three words are really important. Peace is possible. Everybody say that with me. Peace is possible. Peace is possible. Because God offers a kind of peace that doesn't depend on exterior circumstances. It's a promise of peace that extends far beyond the mere absence of conflict. And as we experience this peace together, we get to be the peacemakers to those around us. So today, we're kind of bridging from Thanksgiving and heading into the Christmas season. And we're starting a brand new series called BC. And for this series, it stands for Before Christmas. Everybody say BC. Before Christmas. Before Christmas. So what we're doing is the Old Testament tells the story of God and his people before Christmas, before the birth of Jesus. And during this time, it's a time known as the time of the kings. And God would send prophets to offer guidance and direction. Prophets that we're going to look into like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi. And the prophet we're going to look at today is, Ma is Micah. Now, the word prophet may sound a little strange when we say prophet. We typically think someone's standing like on a box. The end is near. Like that's the prophet. But a prophet was actually a messenger from God with a message from God. It was very simple. Here's the prophet. The prophet Micah that we're looking at today. A messenger from God with a message from God. Now, you would think that in the time of the kings, when a prophet would show up, a messenger from God, and had a message from God, you'd think they would just listen, right? I mean, because all you guys do, like every Sunday morning, we stand up, you're just taking it in and applying it and living it out. But they didn't. So often they would just do the opposite of that, and there was consequences for that. So to start this off, uh, after the king, the reign of King Solomon, the nation of Israel was split in two. And eventually the northern kingdom would be conquered by the Syrian army. And years later, the southern kingdom would fall to the Babylonians. So in the middle of all this chaos, we find the prophet Micah. And Micah lived in the southern kingdom 700 B.C. And I think it's fair to say that in his world, there was lots of chaos and war and fighting. The people weren't following God. And Micah saw the northern kingdom fall, and he knew that the southern kingdom was in intimate danger, and yet in the midst of all this chaos, God gives Micah a promise of peace. And here it is. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against you, and they will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek and with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrah, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So the world's a mess. War is breaking out. Chaos is breaking out. 
And all of a sudden, God is saying, I'm going to raise up an epic ruler. And he goes on, he says, Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely. From then his generations will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be our what? Our peace. Imagine hearing that for the first time. Like chaos, war, this is a terrible situation going on. And all of a sudden, Micah writes about a hope. That there's something better to come. That peace might actually be possible. So who is this peace? Because it's actually in someone. Anybody want to guess who it is? No, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And at Christmas, we celebrate him. We celebrate this birth of the coming king, the peace that comes. And we read about it in Luke. And actually, we got a little help today who's going to help bridge us from the Old Testament to now to this peace that has come in Luke. So they're going to help us read a little bit. Listen to it. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to he register with there. Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. Because there is no guest room available for them. Each week of this series, we're going to get a little help from our Go Kids and our gathering, and I love our kiddos. And uh, by the way, uh, Go Kids is going to be uh, having an event on December 12th, that Sunday afternoon, uh, here at the Fredericktown uh, location at 2.30. It's going to be a fun thing for parents and kiddos, so uh, more information uh, will be coming on the app and that. And uh, if you got any questions, you can talk to Tracy or somebody there at Go Kids, but that's going to be a fun thing. I'm looking forward to that for our family. I love that story, and I love how it... It shifts. We've got Micah, 700 B.C. Now, for us, we connect the dots really well because we know hope is coming. In Luke chapter 2, here it is. So his fulfillment has taken place. 700 years late, earlier, Micah says that there will be hope that comes and the Savior of the world is born. The peace bringer has come. He's here. And yet the people in Jesus' day was having a hard time seeing that peace had come. Because there was still chaos and challenges that they were facing and conflict was a part of their everyday world. And Jesus didn't have an army. He didn't seem like this epic ruler. Where was their promise of peace? You know what they had forgotten? Peace is possible. 
because God offers us a kind of peace that doesn't depend on exterior circumstances. It's a promise of peace that extends far beyond the mere absence of conflict. And as we experience this peace together, we get to be the peacemakers to those around us. So what does this peace actually look like? Because when I just share that good news, it feels like, okay, I know what it isn't, but what is it? We're going to look at what peace is. And we're going to break it down into four specific areas of peace that Jesus brings. The first one is positional peace. Positional peace. This is the one that, that often we're the most familiar with right out of the gate. And positional peace is peace between God and us. Like all things are made right. Look how the Apostle Paul says it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So because of Jesus, our record is wiped clean. We are good between him. And so often we feel guilt and shame and all this bad news that we experience when all reality is we have positional peace. We're good with God. Things have been made right through Jesus. So maybe just take a deep breath this morning and let that out. Huh. Positional peace. I'm right with God today. That's good news. And we could probably stop there, but there's more good peace that comes. Jesus also brings internal peace. Now, this is despite all the challenges and craziness in life, the chaos that exists, we can have internal peace. One of Jesus' closest friends puts it like this. My, he records Jesus' words. He said, my peace is the legacy that I leave you. I don't give gifts like those of the world. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Did you catch what he's saying? He's saying, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. That I come to give you peace. This is a different kind of peace. And it's a kind of peace that changes the stature of your heart. That no matter what's going on around us in our life, all the circumstances of life, that because of Jesus, we truly can have internal peace in our life. And there's a third kind of peace. It's called communal peace. And I want to unpack this one just a little bit because it could feel a little simplistic. But communal peace has to deal with us as the church. And it's pretty relevant, especially in our culture and the things that we see all the time. And here's what it means. We're to look different than all the arguing and fighting and name-calling that swirls around this world. The church is to look different in that way. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, we're called to peace and be thankful. Part of one body. Paul says, let it rule in your heart. I was just down at my uncle's last night, and we're playing uh, Oh Heck, is what it's called. It's a card game. Sounds like Devil's Playground, doesn't it? <laughs> and we have something called a trump card. You know what the trump card does? It rules. Somebody plays an ace, and I got the deuce of trumps, little O2. Bam! I catch that one. It rules. When something rules, it means it overrides everything else. And Paul says, 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So that means that when you feel slighted, when you feel justified to come unhinged, when you feel hurt or betrayed or you feel like lashing back out, when the world is getting on your last nerve or someone in your house, Jesus says, let the peace call the shots because that's the trump card, that peace should rule in our hearts. Now, that sounds really simplistic, so we're going to unpack that a little bit because it's not just about, oh, I'm just going to choose peace. So what does that look like? And I think that there's some ways that we can live out this communal peace. And here's the first one. Deal with conflict early. This is really important. you got to deal with it early. The writer of Proverbs says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. So if we're truly going to have this peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, we got to deal with some conflict early. Or in Ephesians, Paul says this, and he had his own problems with this. He said, in your anger, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So we have to deal with conflict early. And here's the second thing. Practice restraint. We're good at this in our culture. We are terrible at this, okay? So letting peace rule in our hearts, we have to practice restraint. Heather had, or Heather, Leslie had those Chinese handcuffs a couple weeks ago. I feel like we need those for our thumbs for certain times where we just stick them in there and we can no longer text or post on Facebook or anything. We need some restraint with these things right here. It used to be bite your tongue. It's like bite your thumbs now because we have problems with that. But James said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know what those are? Those are reactions. Did you know that listening is a reaction? So we need to learn new ways to react if we're going to have this communal peace. We have to be quick to listen. Although we want to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak. And really that will lead to slow to become angry. So if we're going to let it rule, that's what we have to do. And then before we move on, one last thing. We have to pursue peace. And this one may be the most important one because you know what this has to deal with? What we actually want. So if you want peace and you pursue peace, peace is possible. If you don't want it, I guess it's still possible, but you're probably not going to experience it if you don't want it. We have to pursue it. Paul knew that this wasn't just something that we're just going to choose automatically, but we have to pursue peace. And he said, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Something we have to go after. Why do we have to pursue it? Because peace is possible. Because God offers a kind of peace that doesn't depend on exterior circumstances. It's a promise of peace that extends far beyond the mere absence of conflict. And as we experience this peace together in community, we get to be the peacemakers to those around us. Okay. So, peace is possible. Everybody say that? Peace is possible. It is. And Jesus comes and he gives us positional peace. We're in right standing with God. No more condemnation. Internal peace. All of a sudden, our hearts can have a posture of peace, no matter what's going on around us. And there's the communal peace. Together, as we follow Jesus to have peace with one another. This one body looks different in the world. This body of believers has peace together. 
And lastly is missional peace. That this peace that we're entrusted with, we give to others. So if this peace is so good, we don't want to hoard it to ourselves, right? We want to share that with the world. Jesus says it like this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Not peacekeepers. We're not here trying to make everybody happy. We're the peacemakers. In a world that desperately needs peace. I think all of us in here could probably use a little more peace in our lives. I love the way Henry Nouwen sums this up. This is such a beautiful quote. Listen to this. The marvelous vision of the peaceable kingdom in which all violence has been overcome and all men, women, and children live in loving unity with nature calls for its realization in our day-to-day lives. Instead of it being an escape dream, it challenges us to anticipate what it promises. So every time we forgive our neighbor, every time we make a child smile, every time we show compassion to a suffering person, every time we arrange a banquet of flowers, offer care to animals, prevent pollution, create beauty in our homes and gardens, and work for peace and justice among people and nations, we're making the vision come true. You know what Henry's saying? Peace is possible. Because God offers us a kind of peace that doesn't depend on exterior circumstances. It's a promise of peace that extends far beyond the absence of conflict. And as we experience this peace together, we get to be the peacemakers to those around us. All the way back in 700 B.C., spoken through a prophet, Micah, he declared one is coming out of the town of Bethlehem, and he will be our peace. And at Christmas, we celebrate that Prince of Peace. And today, peace is possible. Now, this isn't always easy. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it today because we'd already have it down. I know in my own life, I struggle at times with this. Often what I want to do is lean into like whatever I'm feeling or whatever my circumstances are. And I don't always get it right. But a few weeks ago, we found ourselves in a situation where we needed some peace. Heather and I were on our way to Destin, Florida, a little time away. And it was pretty difficult. It was just us to even get to vacation. Like, we're going to do it. We're an hour and a half away from Florida. And the tornado was just a little bit away from us. It Fredericktown. And the boys and my mom were at home and we're on the phone with them. And at that point in time, the tornado is headed directly for our house. And in that moment, we were struggling a little bit with peace. And it wasn't the, the, uh, the reconciled peace with God. It was a different kind of peace. It wasn't positional peace. It was internal peace because chaos was taking place around us. But somehow, we talked, we had conversations, we reminded ourselves of all the good truths that we know. So a lot of times when you're struggling with something like peace, go back to the things you know. What's true? What's the good news? God's with us. He's always present at work. Remind ourselves who God was, who we are. Then some other things that were true, like we have a basement, and it's pretty safe in that room. Like somehow, some way, 
in those minutes, we ended up finding some internal peace. And it was great to be able to sit in that. And then the tornado missed our house. It damaged a lot of other homes in the community, many of the homes, walkers and you guys. That really brings that back close to home for you, I'm sure. And many businesses in the community. And so we were this close to experiencing what we thought was peach, beach, peace, which is the beach. <laughs> Heather's peace. For the last two years, she's like, if I could just make it to the beach, we we're an hour and a half away. And we had to turn around and come home. And we didn't hide our disappointment or our fears or our concerns for our friends and our neighbors. What we did was we actually brought those to God and let God meet us in those. And we were just real about all the things that we were experiencing. Because we don't have to pretend that our circumstances don't exist to have peace. We actually have peace because our circumstances exist. That's what internal peace actually looks like. Because peace is possible. Because peace offers us, God offers us a kind of peace that doesn't depend on exterior circumstances. It's an internal peace. It's a promise of peace that extends far beyond the mere absence of conflict. And as we experience this peace together, we get to be the peacemakers to those around us. Do you know when we worship together, we come into a room like this, we actually get to be the peacemakers to each other? When we worship together and sing together, when you smile at someone, when you shake somebody's hand, even if you're not supposed to right now, or give them a hug or whatever that is, that we get to help be the peacemakers. Something takes place when we come in here, when we worship, when we acknowledge and we proclaim good news to each other. And when we continue to bless people through love works, we're being the peacemakers. We're providing hope and peace for other people. We're giving back. We're blessing the community. But when we give, when we carve things out for love works, when we worship together, we're the community of peacemakers. So as we wrap up this Thanksgiving weekend and shift gears into Christmas, I want to end today with a prayer of blessing. So I want you all to stand. And I first want us to read this good news together. Because this is no longer just good news that I give to you. This is good news that we experience together as we walk out of here. Jackson, can you put that good news proclamation up there? Everybody ready? Peace is possible because God offers a kind of peace that doesn't depend on exterior circumstances. It's a promise of peace that extends far beyond the mere absence of conflict. And as we experience this peace together, we get to be peacemakers of those around us. I'm a really bad leader in this talking thing. <laughs> Way worse than I anticipated when I had all you guys read that. I love that good news. Guys, peace is possible today. And I just want to pray this prayer over you. This is from Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Since as, peace, since as members of one body, we're called to peace and to be thankful. So be the peacemakers this week.